Hey folks, welcome to the Adventure Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Mason. Today's episode, we're talking to Seth Quigg. Seth has been on the show before, talking about adventures in Tanzania. Uh, but today, we're talking about what he does uh, for work, which is take people on adventures uh, all over the world and tries to instill in them a sense of philanthropy and a sense of, you know, what what kind of difference can you make? And his newest project, he is not only taking people to a location to experience it, but the people in the location are also coming home to the homes of the people who go on the trip in the first place. So, you know, say a group out of Colorado goes to Nepal well, to, to visit a, a, a group in Nepal, well, that group in Nepal, you know, school kids or some sort of community goes and visits the original community in Colorado. So they swap cultures and, and it's this really cool, immersive idea uh, that he's launching into. But it's from this career in uh, understanding how adventure and travel can affect the world and how it can have a positive effect on the world and not just you know, taking, take, 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 and, you know, pop in and out of an area and then leave. But how do you become part of a place and, uh, you know, it, it be a reciprocal relationship? So we're going to talk about that and talk about how you can make your own adventures more impactful for the world, because that's one thing I've learned is that a lot of times these big adventures that you do, if you post about them or talk about them, they're going to garner a lot of attention. And I've always wanted to direct that attention to something bigger than myself, some sort of cause, some sort of mission. And uh, although I haven't done a big adventure in a while, that's uh, that was my cup of tea. And I raised money, and I, I really loved combining adventure and making the world a better place. It was, uh, I think it's one of the, it's, it's like peanut butter and uh, chocolate. It just goes together so well. Anyway, so today we're going to be talking to Seth about this idea. And uh, speaking of travel... If you want to go on a trip with me next year, I'm thinking about putting together a plan to go to Yosemite National Park and go backpacking. The exact timing, the exact location, and the exact uh, date and, and, and distance and all that to be determined. But if you're interested, put your name. There's a survey link in the show notes. Fill it out. Let us know you're interested. Let us know your budget. Let us know when works for you. Let us know exactly where it works for you. I would love to take a group to either Yosemite or Alaska or somewhere that we can really get into some incredible, impactful wilderness that also has some historical value. But if that is at all interesting to you, fill out the survey in the show notes. I want to gauge from listeners how many people are interested and if we could pull this off. And if enough people are interested, we're going to make it happen. And we're going to implement a lot of the lessons and philosophies that Seth is sharing today. All right, let's go ahead and dive in. Seth Quigg, you were on, first of all, welcome to Adventure Sports Podcast. We're going to go ahead and start rolling here. Um, you were on back in episode 360. We're almost at episode 1000. So that was, man, that was five years ago. That was probably six to eight months before I came to join uh, the experience. But from a high level, and in, in, in that episode, you were talking about wildland trekking in Tanzania. At a high level, what has changed in your life since then? What, what are some of those big 
big sweeping changes, those, those highlights. Great. Thanks for having me, Mason. Um, yeah, a lot has changed since then. Um, I have I ended up selling my shares of Wildland Trekking uh, two weeks before COVID hit, which was very serendipitous for an international adventure travel company. Um, so got out, got out with um, just in the nick of time. And then COVID hit. I had, you know, worked in the construction industry in Crested Butte. That was the only thing that was really going on, um, but did that to sustain myself and yeah, went back to teaching outdoor ed for a bit um, up in Alaska and down in Mexico, which was phenomenal to just kind of see what the see how things were going in the industry with tourism and travel and education and jumped on a, a new project with a, an amazing organization called Empowered and I'm running the impact part of their organization. And so really diving into the humanitarian sector and exploring what that looks like post COVID and, and to see what exactly the, the world is doing to help, to help people in the, on the planet. I've also launched a new company, which I'll, we'll talk about that combines the humanitarian sector and leverages travel and tourism to really make an impact for those in the places where we'll travel. Tell us more about that, your philosophy around that, around adventure in philanthropy what what kind of got you started in this world and i know some of this is going to be overlap for when you talked last time but even for folks that might have heard that episode back in 2018 you know i'm sure they forgot a lot of the details <laughs> so it's probably good to revisit well what what was your introduction into adventure combining that with philanthropy yeah so i used to work for a company out of the uk called world challenge expeditions and we would take high school students to different countries around the world on these month-long expeditions and part of that curriculum was that we would go into a community and do a quote service project alongside the community and so what that did was fostered a, a positive immersion experience for all involved for the local people for the students um, for every everything that for everybody that we touched, and so with my past company, we we didn't have anything like that. So I was looking for a way to make a larger impact. And so the the summer of 2019, I met the founder and CEO of Empowered, the Solar Light Company, and we ended up co-branding a couple of expeditions and called them Light the Path Expeditions, where we would incorporate solar light uh, into these trips. Um, into these commercially guided trekking and climbing trips. Uh, and we, yeah, we raised, you know, $20,000. We put a solar panel on a Maasai school and deployed over a thousand of empowered Lucy lights to all the students at the school. And just to note, like, it's hard for Westerners to conceptualize what it's like to live in darkness, you know? And so mm -hmm. the majority of the world doesn't have access to clean energy. And so providing, um, the folks on the ground where we were operating with with solar is a, a huge increase in the quality of life for people. And so, you know, ultimately, like I, I started traveling around the world, chasing, you know, running the biggest rivers and climbing big mountains. And ultimately, it, it, it dawned on me that it's all about the people. And um, there are a lot of people out there suffering and have don't have access to the amenities that we have in the Western world. And so doing something to, to bolster that is, is important to my personal and professional ethos. 
And so that's, that's kind of how it started, you know? Adventure often does spur new ideas, seeing these new perspectives, seeing these new places. And you might come across somebody who's already doing that farther down that road. And you may, you might either join them in that effort or, you know, think up your new own idea, like empowered or something like that. Was there anybody you got a lot of inspiration from and, and, and you saw making a difference with adventure? Not, not so much when it comes to the commercial guiding world. You know, a lot of companies will just are in and out, you know, they're like clients in, clients out, here's the trip. And, but you know, what I, what I value the most out of, you know, adventure travel, especially internationally is that cultural exchange. And so through building relationships and uh, rapport with people in different countries all over the world, you, you, you start to understand where the, what their needs are and, and life is different abroad, but it doesn't mean it's worse or better. And so regarding inspiration, I mean, yeah, the first thing, the first came from world challenge, you know, and, and I love that program and um, seeing the outcomes that it had on the local people, you know, there was just, it's cross-cultural learning at its best. And so that that's the main inspiration is the people that I know and that I work with all over the world and to really like make an impact on, on their lives and, the people that they work with lives, the local folks, and really trying to better better humanity through travel. When you when you take people on expeditions around the world, what are you trying to instill in them, like intentionally? Because like you said, a lot of travel guides will just be in and out. Hey, take some pictures, look at these cool things and this culture, and you're out. W- what are you trying to do differently? What are you trying to instill in people? Yeah, so the new project what we're focusing on is sustainable and reciprocal relationships. And so I've been supporting this school outside of Kathmandu in Nepal for since 2010. Um, and we'll eventually, well, we will this November take guests and students to the, the village um, and we'll provide a cultural immersion experience before, before an adventure. So we're trekking in the Kumbu and uh, Everest region but we want to start building sustainable relationships. Um, and so taking our students from the Valley I live in in Colorado to Kakani and Nepal, but then also bringing the students from Nepal to Colorado, to the USA. And for any rural Nepali kid or person to have the opportunity to come to the USA is, has the potential to be a huge game changer in the trajectory of their life, you know, like a very pivotal point. But we're all about in the tagline being, we have a lot to learn from each other. You know, a lot of our, our students, they have the nicest skis and the nicest new bikes and drive nice cars, but a lot are, you know, in therapy and um, our students in Nepal they're they don't have much monetary asset at all, but they have culture, they have uh, community, they have spirituality, they have happiness and so bridging the bridging the gap between cultures is is the ultimate goal. I can imagine the kids from Nepal coming to Colorado and saying, "Wow, these are you know the cutest little mountains I've ever seen." <laughs> yeah. I mean, we have a in my town, we have a a pretty large Nepali population and you know, it's very similar, you know. We have we have a unique culture too that um is pretty spiritual and, you know, the mountains make the rules, you know? Um, 
And so there is, there are similarities as well as differences, but yeah, it's, it's a completely, completely new way to think. So what kind of you know, people, is this surprising the focus of your expeditions or do you, do y'all do a pretty good job of, of setting expectations ahead of time so that folks aren't, you know, uh, uh, not anticipating those cultural and immersion aspects of, of the trip? Yeah. I mean, adventure is all about expectations, right. And setting those expectations. But, you know, when the, in terms of the relationship and the immersion piece, um, like there's, I think it's an ongoing, as the world turns, it's an ongoing um, study and, and thought process. Right. Cause you know, typically in the, in the past, you know, travelers would want to go and bring pencils and bring stuff and bring things. And what that does is it habituates communities um, for tourists. You know, I'm sure as listeners, you know, if you've traveled to East Africa or Asia or South America, you'll see little kids running up saying chocolate, chocolate, sweet, you know, and they they expect that from tourists. And that, that theory has been debunked. Like we're not doing that. Um, And so we're, we're still studying like, you know, reading a lot about toxic charity and um, what that means and how the world shows up for, for each other. Um, But it's a, it's a very, very specific niche and it needs to come from the local community. You know, like we're not, we're not running in trying to put a round peg in a square hole. Like it has to be something that the community wants and needs and it's, it's carried out responsibly. So you've been in the outdoor education space, international adventure travel space for like over 20 years now, which is crazy. I'm sure that's crazy to think about too. Maybe it's felt like longer. What are some of those major changes you've seen over those 20 years or kind of the, what do you, what do you see that's, that's becoming maybe more in vogue or, or less popular? Is it, you know, the expectations from locals uh, expecting things from travelers? Like what, what are some of those major changes you're seeing and trying to help facilitate? Right. Yeah. Well, I think that you could draw a line um, when COVID hit, you know, there's like a pre travel versus post adventure travel um, from COVID. And so, you know, what we're seeing now is a lot of, a lot of adventure travel companies are like going carbon neutral or net zero. And, um, you know, while that's all good in theory, I'm not exactly sure the impact that it will have. It's, you know, some companies are greenwashing, if you're familiar with that term. And, you know, because it's the standard, everybody's having the stamp on their website that says, oh, we're sustainable and we do this and we do this. Without a real consideration of what that means or really following through with those, they're just, you know, kind of exactly. saying it. Exactly. Exactly. Like it's a trend. It's a theme like, oh, this company's doing it. We got to be, you know, we have to be in line with that. And plus our customers are going to want that. They're going to want, you know, to know that we're, um, we're helping in some way. And so through our reciprocal relationships, we just think it's a better way to, to leverage tourism um, to help humans and to help the planet through cultural understanding. What are some stories of maybe some guests you've taken on your adventures that you've seen real impact happen maybe a moment something clicking for them you know whether it be like hey you know i thought this trip was about me 
or, or, you know, me being able to help others or, or just selfishly, the trip was about me and my experiences. And they leave with a totally different perspective or with this whole new understanding. And you see them almost having reached some sort of level of enlightenment and their life has changed. Yeah, that's great. I think that the best way, the best way we can facilitate that is through cultural exchange. Um, you know, the mountains and the natural world offers that through, through physical challenge and people can grow and learn a lot through just the aspects of challenging themselves and, and hiking. But the, I, I feel like the real sustenance is when, when guests have a, a cultural experience with someone that they meet um, in country or with a group of people, you know, like a group of porters that they get to know. And, you know, we can have this authentic experience where we're going to meet their families and having a real understanding of who these people are. And so the successes are those relationships carrying through. And so post-trip when customers or clients, students reach back out to those communities and they, they continue their relationship um, is, is a huge success. And, you, you know, the, I would say the majority of my guests have those relationships moving forward. Um, and, you know, as globalization of the world comes into place, you know, we've got social media and everybody can, can keep in touch that way. And so it really makes me happy. Um, to see past guests, you know, still talking to people that they met, you know, in Tanzania or Nepal or uh, different countries around the world. And then even like getting involved in that reciprocal part of it and saying, cool, you know, we'd love for you to come over to the USA or how can we still support you? What, what, you know, how can we create this mutually beneficial and symbiotic relationship as humans to learn from each other? And so I think the cultural immersion piece to me is, is, imperative and it really creates success what are some of your favorite places to take folks it sounds like a lot of your trips focus on the himalayas and will that continue to be the case with uh as you build relationships with certain places you you want to keep building them and you kind of get even more ingrained in those places so will you see yourself leading more and more trips to the same places and where, where would that be yeah. Yep. So, you know, having worked in the industry for 20 years internationally, like I have friends and family all over the world. Um, and so the, the, the first place of so the new company is called the Karuna project, K A R U N A. And that's the Sanskrit word for compassion. Um, and our first trip is in Nepal and we have 15 guests going this November where we'll work at, um, at a school and have this experience and then go trekking in the Everest region. Um, but then, so Nepal is where we're focusing first and foremost. Um, we will likely expand to East Africa in Tanzania um, next year and into Peru, just because, you know, those three places are, are dear to my heart and I have great connections there and um, there's ample opportunity to, to create a positive impact on the ground as well as they're all great for adventure. You know, you've got the Himalaya, you've got Kilimanjaro, you've got a sacred Valley and the Inca trail and the magic that lies in the Peruvian Andes. Um, so those will be the first three destinations we're focusing on. Um, but then I've worked all over the world, you know, I've worked in Madagascar and on the Island of Borneo and, um, 
in Iceland. And so we will most likely um, start getting more off, off the beaten path into places that aren't as developed um, for tourism, you know, for more an exploratory adventure. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we'd love to open up trips in, in Madagascar in Borneo, um, potentially Papua New Guinea. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. The world is our oyster. Let's take a quick message break and hear from the folks that help make this show possible. That is plenty of that for now. Let's get back into the episode. You know, do, do you like to tr- solo travel still? And, and if so, h- how do you think, because you're a guide, h- how do you think that changes the way you view travel, you know, advent- solo adventures and solo travel uh, experiences? Yeah, Mason, I love I love solo travel. I haven't I haven't left uh, North America since COVID hit. And but before COVID hit, I was, you know, on the road all the time. You know, I think in 2019, I was in like 15 different countries leading expeditions. And for the better part of 12 years, I um, was only only leading expeditions. And, you know, I didn't live anywhere. I didn't pay rent. I had a truck in Idaho. I had a kayak and, you know, some, some stuff. Um, how, how did you, how did that treat you? How did you deal with COVID? Like, what was that like from your perspective? Because I, I mean, it's insane for all of us, but for you, even more so. Yeah, it was, it was in- incredible. I think it's, I'm so thankful. I mean, that's a little weird to say, but it's, um, it was ultimate. it's like a, a reset of my life. Like, all right, let's stop and reflect on the last 15 years you know, started writing. I got a dog, bought a, bought a condo. Um, it really hunkered me down and to work locally and just completely change it up was, was extremely valuable. Was that difficult to do for you or did it come pretty naturally? No, it came naturally. It came pretty naturally. Um, I love, you know, I love my community where I live in Colorado. It's a, a, a fantastic group of humans and, we're surrounded by wilderness on three sides of the town. And so we, you know, we just spent a lot of time in the mountains doing what we've always done. Um, but yeah, really slowing down and kind of reflecting on, you know, my past and, um, the world. And, you know, luckily we're still able to keep in touch with people around the world and, um, talk about, um, experiences, what that they're having. Actually, I was teaching it, at uh, Western Colorado University. And, you know, it was a, a travel and tourism class that I was teaching. And we had all of my business partners from all around the world share their experience. You know, here's what going, what's going on in Cusco. Here's what's going on in Kathmandu. Here's what's happening in Sweden. Um, so I think that was a memorable for the students. But yeah, I think, you know, overall, it was great. It, in hindsight, you know, I got out of my business. I could like have some clarity to focus on myself and the world and see, you know, what's going on. But for professionally, it was, it was an amazing, amazing time just to like have a blank slate and be like, all right, what's, what are we doing next? Um, But I've always, you know, I've had, I have tons of tons of community in the international adventure world. And so talking to different people and understanding challenges and, what's going on? How, how are you rebounding? 
um, has been a, has been a phenomenal to like know when the right time to get back into the industry is. And, and that time is now. We, we had a, a guest, Gary Arndt. He's a well-known traveler, writer, and photographer and traveled nonstop since 2007. And, uh, COVID happened and, and he started a podcast, which is really blown up. And I'm just like, how do you just, I, it has to be so difficult, but it sounds like maybe just the skills of adventure teaches you to deal with the unexpected and to be resourceful. And it's almost like that sets you up to be successful during COVID more than it hindered you from not being able to travel or do the things you were used to. Absolutely. That's a great point. Um, yeah, being tolerant, you know, I think tolerance for for adversity and uncertainty of like, well, we don't know what's going to happen, but let's have gratitude for what we what we do have, you know, and I'm I'm privileged and lucky to to have yeah, shelter, food, friends, love, water, you know, so having that gratitude for the little things that we do have is also I've learned that through adventure and travel like it's we're only appreciative for, for what we have. And so having gratitude is equally as important. What's one of the coolest adventure experiences? I know it wouldn't be international because you haven't gone outside the U.S. since COVID. But since COVID, what's one of the most impactful adventures you've had? Yeah, well, I, I should clarify. I, I, have, I haven't left North America. So I have uh, me and my partner. She's a, an avid sailor. And she's crossed the Pacific. Um, she did a Pacific journey. So we bought a sailboat and we're b- both able to work virtually. And so our sailboat's down in the Sea of Cortez in Mexico. And and I'm a novice sailor. I've spent a lot of time on the ocean, but not in sailing, more sea kayaking and in other ways. And so um, that's been an incredible, incredible adventure and challenge. You know, one of my mentors told me, he's like, man, take everything you know about rivers and climbing and hiking and then add 70 percent in that sailing so yeah we bought a sailboat down there a couple years ago and um yeah i think sailing is to me it's all about like being it's it's the ultimate vessel for resiliency and resourcefulness you know like learning fiberglass and learning um electricity and diesel engines and on top, on top of the weather and the the technical aspect of sailing, I mean, it's a full on challenging adventure. I highly recommend it for anybody that um, might be complacent where they're at in the mountains or um, wherever they're at. If you want a real challenge, you should go try your try your hand at sailing. We've had a number of sailors on the show, and it, and it seems like. I actually have lessons to go sail. My wife got it for me for Christmas and I still Amazing. haven't been able to actually no, we got it scheduled for like a, a month from now. So I should be getting into it because we live near the ocean. I've never done it and I've never sailed, but man, all the sailors we talk to on this show, it just seems like endless work. And then some, you never catch up. It is endless work. My partner, she says like sailing is like being in jail, but you can drown. <laughs> but yeah i mean it's it's um it's an ultimate test you know i i went into sailing thinking like cool i'll be able to adapt well and have my hand at, at the adversity that comes with it and i i was extremely challenged 
And so, yeah, sailing is, is becoming a new, and it's, I mean, it's just like, just like, you know, a great way to travel and explore and you have to fix everything, you know, you have to be self self-reliant. And, um, however, with that being said, the sailing community is absolutely phenomenal. Like so many people are willing to help, help you learn, mentor you, um, offer their assistance. And it's just, it's so cool. Like you have people from all over the world, some people have like, you know, don't leave the sea of Cortez. And then you got other people that are, have circumnavigated like four times that are just stopping through. And you're like, wow, this is just an incredible group of humans um, with a, yeah, with a, a niche vision for how to live life. It is an, it is probably just a world you step into. Um, I drive by marinas all day and, and whenever you get on the docks, you, you get a little glimpse of it just, Whole, whole separate culture. It's so cool, man. So cool. And that goes for any sport, any subculture, anything anybody's into. There's so much to know once you peek your head inside. It's it's can be overwhelming. Absolutely. We'd like to, you know, as our competency builds or as my competency builds, we'd love to offer sailing expeditions as well that, you know, combine philanthropy with the adventure piece of it. What are some tricks and not tricks, I guess. What are some ways that the average adventurer, someone listening to this show, maybe can get out a few times a year? Maybe it's local, you know, right in their hometown. Maybe it's, you know, halfway around the world. Uh, what are some ways they can be more intentional about um, bring? I don't want to say maybe philanthropy, but how can they make their adventures more impactful for more than just them. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think adventure is a mindset. And so anybody can have an adventure with whatever they do. It's all about changing your environment and, and, and expanding your horizons. And so I would urge folks to go to a different part of their community that they don't normally go to and maybe volunteer with a, a different organ with an organization they don't know. And, and through that, they might meet people that might help their mind expand and to grow into that. So it's not your typical like outdoor adventure, like I'm going to go hiking, I'm going to go climbing, but more of like on a um, internal level of like, yeah, well, I'm going to go volunteer at the homeless shelter and or the soup kitchen and like see what that brings up inside of, of that person. Because um, that in itself is an adventure, you know. You're, you're changing your environment. You're around different humans you wouldn't normally be with. Um, you're doing something good for folks. And so that is the impetus, I think, of, of adventure travel. You know, we, we do a lot of interviews on this show. And, you know, I see this format a lot. I've used this format a lot of raising money for different causes through an adventure, whether it's a big, you know, physical challenge or just some long trek or something. You, you bring awareness to an idea or a topic. Is that also something you encourage or is, you know, how effective is that? And how can you take that a step further? It sounds like there are ways to do that. Yeah, I think that's great. I think it's a, a, an amazing thing to do. Um, I think it's subjective to the organization that's facilitating the experience. And, you know, just um, I, I would urge all 
participants in those kind of fundraisers to really dive deep and understand where that funding is going and where, how it's touching the people that you're expecting it to touch. Um, I think, you know, through a lot of those um, fundraisers and whatnot, you know, money and funds can get lost in translation somewhere through the mix. So if the, if the project is specific, specific on where the monies and funds are going, how much of the funds are going there, I think that's, that's, due diligence on, on client participants parts. Um, but I think those are, I think they're fantastic. So what are you, dude, I didn't even ask you this. This is usually the first question I ask is where are you coming from and where's home for you? So I think if folks have been listening, it's home for you is Crested Butte, but where are you coming from right now? And why, why are you there? Cause you're getting ready to go do something that's pretty cool. Right. Yep. Um, so I'm currently in North Carolina. I was raised in out, outside of Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, but I am headed to Geneva, Switzerland. Um, I have a couple of meetings at the United Nations. So working in the humanitarian sector now with Empowered and the solar, the solar company. Um, you know, our goal is to to get lights around the world um, to people that lack access to clean energy. And so I'm on the way to Geneva to to meet with the UN and to attend the ADEX trade show, which is the largest humanitarian trade show on the planet. And so you'll have, you know, multiple United Nations organizations there, HCR, IOM, uh, but then a lot of the large nonprofits will be there as well, such as Doctors Without Borders, um, Save the Children, et cetera. And so, um, yeah, I have that conference all next week and then um we'll stay in europe for three weeks working virtually and then fly to nepal from paris on the on the 19th of november and then we meet our clients on the 25th of november and we'll be in nepal until the 15th of december and then we're you know we have to go down to the indian beaches for a for a rest and relaxation for five days afterwards so of course yeah, of course. You got <laughs> no brainer. You gotta do that. And then yeah, be back in, in North Carolina for the holidays with my family here. Um, and then back to Crested Butte on uh, January first. Dude, that is awesome. So so from you know, mid to late November to mid December, what what will you be doing during that time in Nepal? What should people expect? Because that, that's a decent amount of time i mean you're gonna there's gonna be adventures there's gonna be philanthropy aspects what tell us what folks are going to be expecting yeah so we we arrive on the on the 19th and we will be going to the school outside of Kathmandu and doing a pretty thorough needs assessment so getting to know the elders and the, the the village leaders there and and um and yeah really doing a needs assessment on how how we can create this relationship we have talked to them in the past of this year, but we're, it's more of a formal meeting. Um, so we'll do that for three or four days. Uh, and then the clients arrive on the 24th. And so we'll pick them up. Uh, we have our orientation meeting and um, welcome dinner that night. And then the next day we'll take all the clients to the village and school and introduce them to, to the people there. Um, we've also have a, a, a hundred solar lights. So part of this endeavor is, is providing solar. Um, you know, the village doesn't have any electricity. And so, um, but doing that responsibly and properly is, 
is one of our goals, right? We're not just going to go in and give people stuff that we don't know. And again, I've been supporting the school since 2010, but you know, it's post COVID. I haven't been back since 2019. So it's kind of like, yeah, a little bit of a reunion with, with old friends and um, seeing how kids have grown up and things like that. But we'll take our guests there and then we fly to Everest region and we'll be trekking for 15 days um, over three high passes adjacent to Everest. What a cool mix. Do you, yeah. Do you feel like your style is unique or is it growing in popularity or is this, you know, a, a, an adventure travel style that's that's popular? Well, it's unique in the in the aspect that we're going to we're dedicated to bringing the students from Nepal to the USA. Oh, absolutely. Um, so that's the unique piece about the Karuna project and, and something we're pretty excited about. And I'm also a member of the Rotary International and so we'll facilitate that exchange through Rotary. Um, but again, man, having, you know, a rural, a rural the opportunity for a rural Nepali kid to come to USA is, is game changing. And so we want to create this, this symbiotic relationship where we send our people over and then we bring their people over and create this learning kind of sustainable community relationship. Um, and I don't think any companies are doing that that I know of we're dedicated to it. Like we, it's a way to make impact for local people. Um, and yeah, we were going to do it in Tanzania. We've already got a partner there on the ground, um, working with a school. And so it'll be education focused, but bringing kids from Tanzania, from Peru. Um, yeah, we've got a lot to, a lot to learn from each other, you know, from different places around the world. And, um, it really just, you know, it, it creates empathy for each other and, and compassion and understanding and opportunities. Like one thing is like, you know, I've led thousands of groups around the world and people around the world, but those local kids never have the opportunity to, to, to go and travel or experience adventure like we do. Um, and so, yeah, man, providing the opportunity for the local kids is the goal. Let's take a quick message break and hear from the folks that help make this show possible. That is plenty of that for now. Let's get back into the episode. What a, what an amazing experience. I'm excited to hear how that goes and um, to see this format hopefully gain more popularity where it's not, you know, let's go, let's just go experience, but let's share our culture as well and, and, and build relationships and, and, you know, help realize the world is not big scary place but it, it's it, we're, we're all a part of this together we're all in the same boat in a lot of ways so really cool Seth I'm, I'm super excited about this tell us a little bit about what you hope to get done over in Switzerland what what, what do you have planned what is this uh, humanitarian conference and trade show going to be about and uh, what kind of impact you're hoping to have there yeah so it's a lot of it's just a lot of sharing ideas um, there are um you know, the U it's, it's interesting timing as this war has broken out in, in Israel and Gaza. Um, so I expect that to be a, a topic, a pretty prominent topic and, and how the, how the United Nations and how other organizations are, are supporting um, the disaster that's going on. And so I think there'll be a lot of talk about that, but then, you know, I hope to learn just more about the humanitarian sector and like, how this how this sector is 
is showing up for people and what are some challenges that are happening and, and what are some successes? And, um, you know, I think cause of post COVID it's, we gotta, we gotta relearn systems or unlearn and then relearn new ways of thinking. And it's a massive system, you know, but I hope to, to bring, um, some tourism into it and, and see to gauge on, on what that looks like. And yeah, we've got some, some interesting, interesting ideas and thoughts, but then also to build partnerships between empowered and, and um, organizations to get our lights out to, to folks. And so it's a big networking opportunity to get to know folks and to say, Hey, we've got, we've got this, you know, impact program going on. How can we, how can we work together to make, to lighten up some lives? Literally. Literally, baby. I love that. That's awesome. So what, uh, uh, you know, being an educator and, you know, teaching, you know, young folks about this kind of philosophy and, and, and travel adventure philanthropy and just seeing the world in a certain way and having this mindset, any resources you can share with folks to kind of go further down this road? Cause you know, we are constantly trying to feature people on this show that are not only just doing really cool things, but like you're doing, doing that in a way to help the world be better or help their community. Uh, not just like, hey, this is really badass, but this is this is making the world a better place. Um, any resources you recommend? Books, websites, people to follow? You, of course, but any anyone else? Yeah, I think, you know, as a younger, a younger human in your twenties and thirties, like the adventure usually, and this is from a Western standpoint, but it usually like is focused on you or a lot of people that are homogenous with your culture. Like we're going to go on a river trip with all the people from my town and everybody looks the same. Um, but I would urge folks to really uh, get out of their, their, their comfort zone when it, when it comes to humanity and thinking about different types of people and because it's not all about ourselves, it's about everyone. And that shared experience is, is some of the, some of the most um, valuable things I, I reflect back on is like, man, like we climbed this huge mountain in Nepal. Why, what made it successful? You know, competency sure, but it, we're nothing without each other. You know, there's a, a Nosa saying in South Africa, um, a word called Ubuntu, which means we're nothing without each other. We're all, it's all about the community. And so I think when you get to a certain point, understanding why people go on international expeditions and yeah, really reflecting on that. I mean, the, you know, exploring it's adventure is all about exploring. You're exploring yourself. You're exploring yourself in a certain place. You're exploring other people. You're exploring your relationships with people and so having that, that interpersonal dialogue of like, what do you, what, what is the, the outcome we're seeking, you know? And some people are more task oriented of like, cool, we have to get to the summit to then ski off. Like that's the goal. But I would challenge those folks on saying, yeah, I mean, that's your goal, but how can you add some, some humanitarian value to, to that experience? So going back to your question, what resources are there, you know, I would check out reliefweb.com. Like that's a, that's a huge international NGO platform where people could, you know, maybe look for volunteer opportunities that way, start learning about what's going on on the planet to, to incorporate that into your so-called adventure. I think that's, it adds, adds a layer of depth that only helps create more critically thinking minds. 
you know, we're we're the adventure sports podcast, but really it's kind of molded over the years into the adventure stories podcast. And that was what a lot of your first episode was about. Like, tell us stories about trekking across Tanzania. Um, tell us maybe an example that you've seen either with you or with others where, you know, someone combines adventure with some sort of philanthropic work and makes a real difference. And it's maybe a combination you didn't, you know, expect or something you didn't, I don't know. I just I, t- take us how that format has actually had an impact in the world. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, on this. So we, as mentioned, we, I ran uh, and created two light the path expeditions, and so we took fifteen guests to Nepal. We worked at a school for four days and deployed over uh, three hundred of the solar lights, and then we took the guests on a thirteen day trek. Um, that was also in partnership with Backpacker magazine my friend dennis lewin and i worked on that together and yeah then subsequently we raised twenty thousand dollars put a solar panel on a masa school in tanzania um deployed over 900 of the lucy lights and then took the guests to climb kilimanjaro and so some of the the guests that signed up for this trip were specifically in into it for the philanthropic part and so you know a lot of a lot of these a lot of guiding is about building relationships, building trust, building rapport, but, you know, keeping in touch with some of the guests and, and seeing how they continue to want to support the people that they met um, in the communities we met are, are, are sustainable, you know? And so one of my guests on the Tanzania trip, he's coming with me to Nepal and uh, he's got a big heart and he wants to, wants to invest in, in, um in this idea of, of, cross-cultural learning and reciprocity. And so, you know, I think like anything, if you put energy into it, you put it out there, you lead with, lead with love and um, role model that there's no, no option, but to succeed. Um, So that's a real exciting, uh, exciting part of the adventure and philanthropy. I don't, I don't have any like dashing or daring, thrilling stories when it comes to adventure and philanthropy. Um, but it's more about just kind of how the subtle shift in some people's minds change to, to wanting to continue relationships and continue to, to know and be involved in people's lives of different cultures and on, on the planet. It, it gives you a sense of, I, the more I travel and the more I experience other cultures and just make, you know, connections and relationships, it gives you a sense of being at home in the world when I moved back to Florida with my family, there was a lot less pressure for things to go wrong because we have more of a support system. And, you know, I, an example is like, if I break down on the side of the road, you know, which of the six people can I call now? You know what I mean? It's like, I can call my dad, I can call my grandpa, I can call my, my cousin, my friend lives down there. You know what I mean? It's like, and you can make that, I don't know. I've felt that way across the world at times where I have enough people and enough relationships and enough community to feel like, okay, anywhere you go, there will be someone to help. And, and, and of course, strangers. So I, I think that's one of the great benefits of it is making the world your home. Yeah, I completely agree. You know, I could go to a lot of countries around this planet and have tons of people that, you know, I trust and rely on that I know well, you know, and I know their families and kids and, um, and those, some of those people have been to my home in the USA. A lot of them have actually. And yeah, I mean, I think, you know, as a human, you have 
a choice. You can look at the world as a, a friendly and beautiful place, or you can look at it as a non-trusting and, and hostile place. And yes, yeah, so going and going on adventures with an open mind and heart and knowing that people will show up. You know, I think that's something that travel has taught me that there, you're never alone anywhere. Like somebody will always be your friend and support your mission and whatever you're there to do. And so that, that kind of grounding ethos is, is close close to, to home for sure even even in times like this even in times like this I tell people i yeah i just gosh funny enough today's episode which is a revisited episode it's about a guy who paddled the amazon and got shot in the back by some some a rowdy bunch and uh so it's like a survival story and i'm like these are very rare for us but it's an exciting and it's a crazy story and there's a book this is not how the world is for 99 percent of our adventurers um, right I've never been stabbed back. No, I've been stabbed a few times, but uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, no, man, it, it it's it's news because it's the exception to the rule. That's why it's on there. Yeah, well, well, Seth, um, gosh, man, this is this was awesome. I, I I wish you the best of luck. You've got a heck of a lot of travel coming up, a lot of logistics, a lot of people, and a lot of uh, places and sites and cultures. We wish you, I know you've done this hundreds, if not thousands of times at this point, but I wish you luck on everything coming up. I hope you have a, an amazing impact and uh, I hope you continue to do the things you do to make this world uh, uh, an exciting, fun and adventurous place. Awesome, Mason. Thank you, my friend. And uh, yeah, I appreciate you hosting and, and sharing our story and look for them. Look, Look forward to keeping in touch. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll have you on in another five years. No, I'm just we'll, we'll, we'll do it sooner than that. <laughs> I'll hold you to that. I'll hold you to that. First of all, thank you so much for listening. It means the world to us that you choose to listen to this show. If you'd like to help us further, you can leave a review on iTunes. Share us with your friends, your family. It goes a long way to grow in the show. You can also support us financially through patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast link is in the show notes and also if you have an idea of who could be a good guest for the show we're always looking for people to tell their story uh, about the outdoors or adventure so if you know someone please reach out email us at info at adventure sports and until then get out there and have some fun <laughs>